I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Light with Hunter Withrow underway on this Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. It includes our YouTube page. Hope to subscribe while you're there. Catch the show live and on demand and join Chad in the chats as he's logging in currently to get it going. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Jim Nagy of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's the executive director. He joins us uh, in about 40 minutes from now. And we will uh, break down the, the Heisman candidates, the finalists that have been announced and how many are going to be in Mobile in February leading up to the NFL draft. John McClain joins us each and every Tuesday. We talk all things NFL with him. Trey Wallace joins us later today from Outkick.com. College football playoff discussion. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. I've had this feeling that today is going to be a great show for a long time. Call it a premonition. Call it a vision, whatever you want. Visionary with this, this show, I've been known to be a prophet. Did my, you have a dream? My or? wrong team favored record shows that I that's, am, in fact, a prophet. It's fair. Uh, today's the day. Today's the day we're going to have a great show. I can feel it, Hutton. I can feel it. Here, Let's bang some hats today. Uh, we can feel some backups headed uh, for head-to-head matchups and beyond in week 14. Trevor Lawrence, the latest starter to go down. Lucky for the Jaguars, it sounds like it is just a sprained ankle that is not going to require tightrope surgery, which is what happened with Kenny Pickett most recently. Seemed to be a lot worse when he went down, but C.J. Beathard would start for Jacksonville this upcoming Sunday if if Lawrence can't go against the Browns. Yeah, there's some really bad uh, matchups uh, that we were just showing you. Bailey Zappi, Mitch Trubisky, C.J. Stroud versus Trevor Simeon. That's actually pretty good with C.J. Stroud. Um, C.J. Beathard, Joe Flacco, maybe not as good. I'll say this for the current state of the NFL uh, and the state of the college football playoff selection committee. Thank God this college football playoff committee wasn't around in 2001 because we may have never seen the Patriots dynasty because Tom Brady, when he entered the game for an injured Drew Bledsoe, they would have been ineligible for a playoff run at that point because why they didn't have their starting quarterback. Uh, When Trent Dilfer came in for Tony Banks, with the Baltimore Ravens, when Doug Williams came in for Jay Schrader with the Washington Redskins, Jeff Hostetler for Phil Sims. None of those teams would have been eligible. And most recently, Nick Foles coming in and playing and winning a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. I say that in jest, but it's true. I do appreciate the NFL because you still have a chance to win it on the field and win your way in. Now, Trevor Lawrence going down for Jacksonville, C.J. Beathard in, certainly not good news for Jacksonville. Hutton, I think the issue that I have, outside of maybe Gardner Minshew, and maybe a little bit of what we saw from Browning last night, which was a a good effort for Cincinnati, I'm not seeing a lot of Nick Foles-level stuff out there. I'm not seeing that Doug Williams. I'm not seeing the backup quarterback that I point to the supporting cast and that quarterback and say they can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and – Exactly. And it's the haves and the have-nots, right? And you're trying to get in on the back end of the playoff push right now and just hang on to make the postseason. 
Uh, that's what we're seeing in Cleveland. That's what we're seeing in Minnesota with Joshua Dobbs. Uh, Josh Dobbs against Aiden O'Connell this week, by the way, with the Vikings and the Raiders and uh, plenty of other backup options. Chad, the, 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 you know, thank goodness we didn't have just a four-team playoff in the NFL whenever Brady made his turn, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it, it well, is, again, it's even, a weird even circumstances. If, even and, if we did, they wouldn't have been eligible and, because, you know, backup quarterback can't, can't take them. But it, it is interesting how many individual brands have been developed this season from the backups. Dobbs, you know, yeah. Astro Dobbs, or you've got the, the Pastronaut through the first two starts for him. One of, one of the best stories so far of the Tommy, NFL, who Tommy may not DeVito. even start this week, by Tommy the way. Tommy DeVito is yeah. known, you know, not just for living in his parents' basement. Uh, it's, he's coming out to the Sopranos theme in New York. Uh, really, the, the Gardner most, Minshew continues his magical yeah. mystery tour. Yeah, and he's had the brand he's surviving too. as an NFL quarterback you know, Minshew Mania, well. yeah. you know, with, with that as well. You're right. Uh, of, of this group, Mitchell Trubisky is the one that should be able to take the reins and go. And he's going to have a couple of weeks to do that based on the expectation of where he was drafted, right? Yeah. And uh, a year and a half ago, he was the most highly sought after free agent from a backup position to come in and, and compete uh, for a, a starting role whenever they ended up drafting Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. Um, he's got his chance now to really cash in with a, a good defense, top defensive player in the NFL, and playmakers on the outside that he should be able to distribute to. And a run game that has been better than expected considering what Najee Harris was last year compared to this year. Well, and of all the scenarios we laid out for backup quarterbacks – the one that jumps out to me for Pittsburgh is that I don't see a big drop-off from Kenny Pickett to Mitch Trubisky for, from what I've seen from Kenny Pickett. In other scenarios, there's great starters, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Joe yep. Burrow going down. So there's a, a sizable drop-off. Even Kirk Cousins to Josh Dobbs look like a sizable drop-off, right? So yep. I, I, don't, I don't see that with Pickett to Trubisky. That's just based on what we've seen from Pickett so far in his career. So, yeah, I think Pittsburgh still has a great shot. And what we saw last night um, with Browning, he was excellent. Second career start, dealing. Yeah. Dealing. He was on fire. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Cincinnati's getting a win out of the AFC North. And Jacksonville now, potentially without Lawrence for, you know, who knows. High ankle sprain. High ankle sprain. Uh, initially, I thought of the, the season of Mariota and Derek Carr when they both went down with the, the broken it was a broken leg, but it's really the ankle. And it turns out it's not that. It, it looked it, really bad. According to Peterson, um, tightrope surgery not needed. They feel like it's not needed. That's huge for Jacksonville because they're currently right now the fourth seed, leaders in the AFC South, and they have the same record as Kansas City, one game behind Baltimore and Miami. Right now, Miami is your number one seed in the AFC currently. And they host the Tennessee Titans next Monday night. It's after posting 40 plus. crazy, crazy where we are right now. Hutton. And uh, let's just quickly just look at the wild card. Texans, Broncos, Bills, and the Bengals. Texans are at seven and five. Broncos, Bills, Bengals at six and six. That's battling uh, Cleveland. And you mentioned it yesterday. That should be Josh Allen and the Bills yeah, spot should be. to take. Should be. They've also got the most difficult schedule remaining, but... Kansas City does not look as difficult as it has in the past now. That's doable for them. Uh, it's it's going to be tough, but 
if there is a QB in that group of six and six muck that can take the reins and make it happen, it's Josh Allen. Well, and it, that's based on where he is in the the shelf the shelf space of categories how we would list quarterbacks. And I haven't really heard him. It's just kind of he's just kind of gone to the wayside. Um, and we're discussing all the backups when it's Josh Allen's race to take right now. And then if you get in and you have to host Buffalo, that's not an easy first round matchup. No. And Buffalo knows this, but Buffalo knows if they if they can get some magic from Josh Allen and will their way into the playoff field, they got a good shot in that AFC field. If they just get in, regardless of where the games play, if they go on the road, that they're going to have a good opportunity, but they got to make it happen right now. And they've just been so badly, they've been consistently inconsistent yeah. from the start of the year that I, you have no clue what to expect week to week, play to play with that Bills team. So if they can get a little bit of consistency down the stretch, they have the quarterback that can get them over the finish line. Lawrence Tynes, former NFL kicker, uh, chiming in last night. Backup ball is the new NFL. I really do believe you have to bank on your starting quarterback missing games each season. Backup QBs are going to get paid handsomely this offseason. They are. Um, and some teams value the vet. Other teams don't want the perception of some quarterback battle, and they'll go through the draft. But those who plan accordingly, like Pittsburgh, end up in a situation where you can turn things over to a vet that you have a chance to see what he's got considering, I mean, Pickett's been okay, but nothing like he should be. I think it's a little bit, there are some that will deserve that. I think it's a little bit of cart before the horse in that the cart full of money for the backup quarterback is leading a room full of backup quarterbacks that don't feature a lot of horses. We need better backup quarterback play. We need better starting quarterback yeah. play, absolutely. We need better quarterbacks across the NFL. So I'm, I'm pretty short on the list of backup quarterbacks. I would say that they're worth the bag, so to speak. They're worth high dollar to ensure that if you've got a playoff-ready team, if your starter goes down, you're going to be in good hands. Gardner Minshew is one of them. I think he's proven that now. Teddy with, with Bridgewater in Detroit. Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe Josh Dobbs can pull it back together after a rough outing and show that he's one of those guys you feel pretty good about if you have to go to him. And that's why but Andy that, Dalton, that list is, is short. everyone laughs when he jumps around, but that's the value of an Andy Dalton Yeah, compared to the list we're looking at. Someone just steady enough to right the ship and not get you beat is going to be valuable, but someone who can spark your team, that, that's Minshew to me. He's the ultimate spark off the bench at quarterback. But someone who can spark your team, that's going to be very valuable because those guys don't really exist anymore. No. We're not seeing 32 good starting quarterbacks in the league, much less 32 more backup quarterbacks that would be deserving of big money and a big contract. So we've seen defensive play evolve to where now defenses have the upper hand in the NFL as opposed to we've seen quarterback play evolve. We've seen offensive line play evolve. I'm ready for the next evolution of quarterback development in college and the NFL that leads to 64 really good quarterbacks, 32 great starters, 32 really good backups, and then I will be quick to agree with Lawrence Tynes and say that backup quarterbacks will be getting paid top dollar because you're going to feel relatively good about your yeah. backup quarterback. More of a college structure where your top colleges – you know, if you're a top program, you've got someone who's really talented behind the backup. You've recruited in a way or you've added in the transfer portal where you're going to be not awful at backup quarterback if your starter goes down, if you're a good program. 
I want to see that carry over into the NFL. And it just hasn't. Chad, the sentiment of Florida State to the college football playoff committee, they were in until Alabama and Texas jumped them based on the craziness of championship weekend. And Heather Dinich spoke to one of the committee members and has a, a report up with, through uh, ESPN that says that it was a long and grueling process to determine if Florida State was going to be in or out. Said that uh, it was 1.30 or 2 a.m. Central Time in Grapevine, Texas, whenever the committee members finally left the uh, conference room where they determined the top four teams headed to the college football playoff to determine the national champion. And she spoke to one of the committee members anonymously. Quote, all of us had the emotional tie, like, holy bleep, this is really going to suck to do this. We talked about that over and over, and we just kept coming back to, are they good enough with what they have to win a national championship? And it just kept, it kept coming back to, we didn't think they could, end quote. This from a committee member who doesn't have the stones to put his name or her name on this quote uh, for fear of whatever. But in all of the discussion and all of the criteria needed to let the public know, the fans, the teams, and specifically Florida State know why they did or did not get in. They had a grueling process, and it just came down to, do we think they can win a national title? No, we don't. Doesn't sound like they spent much time on that, personally, if that's just the criteria. And projecting who can or who cannot win a national title, look back at some of the awful matchups the committee has put in in recent years compared to what we have this year. This year's great on the matchups, but Florida State sitting there and doing everything they could possibly do to set themselves up for that moment didn't get that opportunity because the committee is saying, well, I guess we're just going to trust what Vegas would do compared to what we saw on the field. And if they would do what Vegas would do, Washington, who's unbeaten and has taken down Oregon twice, a big underdog at nine points, nearly double digits, Chad, uh, they're not going to be the favorite to win the national title. So I guess the committee would say they can't win a national championship. I guess the committee would say Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs could not win a national title. And they say that the SEC did not play a factor because they only evaluate individual programs, not the conference that they're in. That's BS too. Uh, com you're absolutely comparing the SEC to the ACC. And that would be part of the criteria and, and the schedule as well. I've said for uh, last several weeks, how many teams are just are winning every game but one with Alabama's schedule that they had this year? There's, there's not many. Uh, less, I, I would say less than the number of teams in the college football playoff. But the fact that it comes down to an anonymous quote from a committee member um, who I'm guessing has... There are several on this list that are from an from a institution that doesn't even have football. And you're thinking, um, they're the best to select because they're anonymous and they're separate and they don't have a bias. This is ridiculous to come out and say, well, here's what was going on. And man, it was just, this is really going to suck to do this. 
that's, that's very, very that uncomfortable. Sucks. Also, sucks that they do that with the emphasis that was put from the anonymous committee member on. Man, we were just sitting around watching the first half of that Louisville game and very uncomfortable with their inability to get a first down. Boy, that is real selective when you're looking at the entire season of Florida State. Also, by the way, Florida State made it very difficult for Louisville to get a first down all night. They had minus 23 yards in the fourth quarter. But they're going to say, but we just really started to get uneasy about Florida State because that first half in the ACC championship game. That's an awfully small body of work across an entire season. Were you uncomfortable watching Alabama play pretty much the entire game against Auburn? Did you watch Auburn lose to New Mexico State by 21 the week before and say to yourselves, man, we're just real uncomfortable with that Alabama team, the way they were in a dogfight with Auburn that game? No, you weren't. You were sitting there trying to make up your mind, and you allowed a first half against Louisville to be the determining factor that, oh, their offense isn't good. They can't win it all. They're out. I don't like it. And they put in the – I don't like it. They put in the four best teams according to their criteria. That's also what the committee member said. But don't tell me it was some grueling process if that's all you were basing this on. Coming up, quarterback discussion and more, and we hit some big topics across the NFL. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, uh, yesterday I was talking to one of the security guards out here. And uh, it was like, is it just me or is it getting more difficult to get into the Christmas spirit year by year? <laughs> and I said, you're saying that here? Where yeah. it's, I mean, you walk in, it's like you're in, on, on set for Elf I mean, with I, Will Ferrell. I want to mainline eggnog the moment I walk into this place. That's how festive it is. Just, I posted on just have an uh, IV bag. Posted on the gram before the show today. But one of the go. scenes here at one of the private bars of just candy canes and tinsel and everything it's that like your a, heart desires. Yeah, it's like a pop-up, pop-up I, I, bar. I dare someone to walk into this venue and not come away feeling the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Not start singing. Brindley. I guess though, if you're you know if you're a security guard here and you're kind of standing in a similar area and looking at the same thing over and over, maybe you get numb to it. Yeah. And that's what makes it hard Maybe for so. him to get into the Christmas spirit. Or you see too many shoplifters or something. Yeah, you just need the little like hit hit of Christmas yeah. and not to just, be flooded with Christmas at all times. If you're looking for a, a great Christmas gift, check out the Outkick store. Uh, it's playing on a new field. That's right. The new Outkick store just launched. And to celebrate, we're offering a buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. You can find our favorite polos, t-shirts, and more when you visit shop.outkick.com. And score 50% off. All you've got to do is visit shop.outkick.com, add the items to your cart, and the discount will be automatically applied. Chad, they're, uh, the NCAA coming up with uh, what could be a, an NIL trust fund uh, and a proposal from Charlie Baker. It's their way to weed out the haves from the have-nots. While showing some ability to be proactive on this for Charlie Baker and the NCAA, which I applaud, they even said, you know, we need to be the ones that try to ignite the change that we need in college sports. 
and acknowledge the realities of sport right now with NIL and transfer, transfer portal and everything else and not bury our head in the sand. But it's kind of, to me, reading through it, their way of saying, here's what should happen. Now, once again, you guys figure it out. It's going to be on the programs that can afford this to figure out rules about either a floor and a cap. Actually, they've de- determined the floor with this, and I'll get into that. But the cap of this, transfer portal, other rules specifying how you can play in this sandbox now if, if you're one of these teams. The rules are that you got to give $30,000 minimum to half of your athletes. Um, now, here's where I think it gets a little bit tricky and difficult to pull off and probably a way to float it out there at universities where they can actually cry a little bit of poverty at the end of this. That is that they expect Title IX to be acknowledged with NIL and this pay. So, example, if you are, let's just say Texas A&M, and you have the means to give $125,000 to all 85, 90 scholarship athletes on your football team, you can do that for everyone, minimum, right? Not just a 30000 minimum, but go above that. You would also then have to pay all of that money to women's athletes, to, to female athletes on campus in Title IX. So whatever money you allocate to the men's basketball team, you also must allocate to the women's lacrosse team or field hockey, I guess it is, women's, to the rowing team, to the volleyball team. So all that money has to be allocated separately. Yeah. This could be great financially for, for female athletes everywhere, but Hutton, I see it, and red flags go up to me only because – I can now see us getting back into this system of, well, we just can't afford that. Because now the argument's been, if we do all of this, other sports are going to get cut. Well, now it's going to be, we can't pay everyone what maybe even their worth is because we also have to pay for these other athletes, right? That's the thing with football. Well, yeah, we make a ton in football, but it pays for every other sport. Or yeah, we make a ton of money in men's basketball, but it pays for every other sport on campus. So now... I think this is going to lead into the same cycle with NIL. But it's something. It's least it's them acknowledging what we've known for a long time, and that is eventually the cream is going to rise to the top, and those that can afford it are going to play at that level, and everyone else is going to fall off. This is what Charlie Baker is saying. And it avoids the lawsuits that would doom them. Yes. And, but So this would not put a cap on the scholarships that one program could offer, Correct. No, it's just you have to pay half of your athletes at least $30,000 that come out of that trust. So you have to have the money in there to pay that. But whatever money – in schools, it's up to them. They can go over that $30,000 minimum on certain okay. players, and they can, they can decide how to allocate that. Schools can also decide whether or not you get that money up front or after a year of playing or you get it after you graduate. So there is – you can say if you stay all three years, you're going to get the money in the end that you're owed, right? They're school individual schools will come up with their own system with that. And so, and within this USA Today article, it says like for an example, within, within the framework of how this is proposed could result in schools having no limits on the number of scholarships awarded in a particular sport or sports at present D one schools. Of course, you've got the cap on that sport by sport limits, but as long as you're willing to pay half of you all athletes, over. Thirty, excuse me, thirty thousand dollars. You could go over as much as you wanted to. Now that's interesting. That's interesting, and also, 
I don't know that I love that part of it. But the, because so, this but, we kind of get back. But into look like, at it from college baseball, where their rules for scholarships are odd. Yeah. You know, you 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 wouldn't have to have like the partial scholarship. What is sixteen point two or whatever yeah. it is? Um, the other thing too. So at some universities, they've got like uh, a rugby team, right? But it's not a part of their athletic program. It's just a club. And that does not count against the, the Title IX requirements. Because and, and that's, you don't, as an athletic department, you don't meet that requirement. So there's the loophole. If football just wants to, if you have the M Michigan Football Club, right? Is, do you have to match that with another sport? Within the athletic well, program. Well, you're going to see... So if you branch off and you, you have the branch off from the, the super conference versus you know what we have well, now within the structure of the Power Four. I, I don't see anything being done with football. It, to me, it's more of now because we have to pay female athletes the same, uh, a lot of the women's sports are going to now be club and then some of the bottom level men's sports will move into club sports and we're only going to compete in like six NCAA sports. Because that makes it easier for them to allocate a ton of money to football and men's basketball while also paying three women's teams. But within the Super Conference, hypothetically, they could make their own framework similar to this without having to pay the 30000 across the board. That's what I mean. Like I, And you reduce the number of athletic programs that you I have. I mean, look, if they want to break away from the NCAA, they can do whatever the heck they how want. Many, how many schools within the Power Five could do this? The $30,000 yeah. for half the athletes? I don't know. Everyone They're, in the SEC, uh, right? I'd say everyone in the SEC and Big Ten, and then, yeah, maybe the top third or top half of the Big Twelve. How about the ACC? Same goes for the ACC. Maybe the top three or four. I know. I mean, maybe the top twenty-five percent of the conference, top third. Probably um, looking at forty-eight schools, which would put you there to where you could break it up four into it. twelve. Yeah, and that's what. I mean, what. What have I been preaching forever? It's just going to be the NFL. Like Whatever math formula you want to raise, it's going to weed everything down to Big Ten, SEC, and whoever they allow to be a part of it. And, and big... then you're going to have four divisions. You're going to have a central governing body that does the schedules for you. And you're going to have a playoff system similar to the NFL with college football. Speaking of the NFL, it is time for NFL overreaction. It is, guys. The playoff push is happening. Uh, I know the, the college football playoff been a lot of controversy there. Right now, though, at least with the NFL, we have a set system. And whenever it comes to winning the NFC East, the Cowboys are going to do it. I'm going to say that's an overreaction. Um, and I know that the Cowboys get the Eagles at home, so a chance to get back it, that one tiebreaker. Just Yes, if, if the Eagles lose to the Cowboys the, this week, the, the Cowboys, Cowboys would be the, in the driver's seat. For they the have East. the better divisional record, yes. But the problem with that is the Eagles still have two against the Giants. They're going to get to play. They play the Cardinals also. And they've just gone through their gauntlet. Meanwhile, here's the remainder of the Cowboys season. They're going to play in Buffalo in freezing conditions against a desperate Bills team after they host the Eagles. They're going to go to Miami to take on the Dolphins, the current AFC number one seed. They get the Lions at home. They finish with the Commanders on the road, which should be a win. I, personally, I think the Eagles are a better team, but also the Eagles have the more lenient schedule the rest of the way. I think the Eagles win this division. I, I think it's an overreaction to point to Dallas. They, I think they're going to be the wild card in the five seed, uh, and that's unfortunate because the NFC South does not deserve right. uh, one of those four. Um, and it's, it is the schedule. 
if they get through the schedule and they are the NFC East champs, Dak Prescott is your MVP. Wow. I don't disagree with Eagles, you Eagles, Bills, no. Dolphins, Lions. I mean, that that's the gauntlet that Hurts just went through. Guys, well, I guess moving right along, and I mean, you know, we're talking about the Cowboys, the Eagles, 49ers went into Philadelphia and absolutely demolished them. And right now, I mean, they will be the one seed in the NFC. See, I think this is an overreaction as well because I think the one seed is coming out of the NFC East. I, I think we are overvaluing or what that loss was to Philly. And here's why. There's a big tiebreaker in this if they end up with the same record, right? The head-to-head. But the Philadelphia Eagles played three games in 13 days, the last being against San Fran. And San Fran came in playing their first game in 10 days. There was a big lopsided aspect to that. I'm not trying to make excuses for Philly, but when they're rolling, they are locked in. And, well, the, the 49ers caught them, beat the crap out of them. But I wouldn't want to play Philly in the postseason. And I wouldn't want to play Philly down the stretch here where Chad just mentioned their schedule. I think they're going to end up with a one seed. Man, I, I, I think two things could be true here. I think the 49ers could be legitimately better than the Eagles and get some revenge this year in the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl, which I think will happen. I also yes. think Philly's going to get the number one seed, uh, and they're going to have to go to Philly to do it in an NFC Championship game scenario. So, I'm Davey, I'm saying overreaction mm-hmm. while also saying I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. They're just not going to end up with the number one seed. I, I, yeah, That's well said. But either way, it will be a fun run down the stretch as we see how this all unfolds. Guys, talking about some good teams. Let's just flip the script. Okay. Got some bad teams I want to ask about. And the Titans will not win another game this season. This is the proper reaction. Um, I, I, quite frankly, this Titans team does not need to win another game this season. This Titans team badly needs a difference maker mm-hmm. in the draft. They need a top five pick badly. So while I would never endorse going out and you know faking effort or trying to lose a game, and they're certainly not going to do that under Mike Vrabel and with the players they have on their team, I don't think they're going to need to try too hard to lose the rest of the way out. Two against Houston. They Jacksonville. Miami. Jacksonville again. Uh, Hutton, I don't think this team's winning another game. I think it's going to be a similar finish to last year where they lost all those games in a row to close out the season. I think that win over Carolina was the last time the Titans are going to scratch the victory column this season. I don't think that's an overreaction at all because this past Sunday, in all three phases, their best player was left the game with injury. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons has a knee problem that's going to keep him out a couple of weeks. I thought you were going to say Ryan Stonehouse. But Ryan Stonehouse, too. Also the their best team Ryan Stonehouse, yeah. done. Um, and, I mean, in all three phases, they they don't have their guy. So, uh, and Derrick Henry, while it doesn't appear like he is in concussion protocol anymore, they're not using him but 50% of the snaps at best. Um, their best players are on the sideline. And for that reason, I mean, they're playing the Dolphins on Monday night. They've got the Texans after that. Then Seattle that's going to be scrapping and clawing for a a playoff spot uh, as a wild card and have that top spot after San Fran. Yeah, this is a brutal stretch for them with a rookie quarterback, a terrible offensive line, and the the most feared player on their roster, Jeffrey Simmons, not in the lineup. Guys, I asked this question last week. The New England Patriots. They have the worst offense in the NFL. Yes. 
not a, not an overreaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I thought I'd be crazy to ever even think that someone could be worse than Nathaniel Hackett's Jets offense without Aaron Rodgers. But this is worse. This is we're now seeing what worse could actually look. You know how they say what? It can't get any worse. Well, we're seeing right now what getting worse looks like, and that's the Patriots' offense. I, uh, as far as uh, passing touchdowns, Jets are, are the worst. Uh, Patriots are right there, though. It's the Jets, Steelers, and Patriots, Titans, uh, with the, the worst passing offenses. I, I'm just kind of curious. Maybe this is for a scores. conversation for another day, but you often see when teams are so bad on one side of the ball, whenever they're looking to make that coaching change, they will go in that direction. But all indications are right now that if the Patriots are to get one of those New England guys, Gerard Mayo, who's a defensive-minded head or defensive-minded coach, would be in line. Do you think they go away from the guy that, for so many years, has been looking like the heir apparent? Well, has Aaron Rodgers played any ping pong with Gerard Mayo? That's what I would ask. Because if he's not playing table tennis, tennis or buddies with him, they're not getting the job. As long as Aaron Rodgers likes Robert Sala, he's staying, uh, and nothing's changing with that team. Your bottom five scoring offenses. From five to one, Pittsburgh, Carolina, the New York Jets, New York Giants, and the New England Patriots, they average 12 points per game. What a season for the Northeast. Give it up. Everybody in the Northeast, great job on Jim Nagy joins us next to talk Heisman candidates. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chad, the Heisman finalists have been announced. No surprise, really. Jaden Daniels. Got Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr. are your finalists. Headed to New York for the trophy presentation. I really hope our guy, Michael Penix Jr., is able to win it, but don't know that's going to happen. Let's break down these players and and more uh, with... Jim Nagy, who's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, and Jim, great to see you. What do you make of the final four here and the fact that Daniels is the heavy favorite to win it? Uh, I think they landed on the right four. And it probably makes sense that Daniels is is the odds-on leader right now. But can we can we talk about how you get a vote first? I mean, here we are. We I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell pick- you. Picking all these players for the Senior Bowl, we watch hours and hours of tape every day. Thank I you. don't have a Heisman vote. The, the the guy that I do my local radio show here in Mobile's got a Heisman vote. I don't have a Heisman vote, but uh, but no, I do think that I do think that they we they don't have, have Heisman votes either. We can can confirm we don't we <laughs> yeah. don't have one. Also, so we're just like you. So we can all so we can all sit here and, and bellyache about it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think they have the four the four best guys. I just don't like the fact that half the voters and I, it's more than that. I'm I'm actually under understating this they don't watch uh, they're not mega football fans they're not watching games from morning to night they're watching games that the national audience is tuned into just because the casual football fan is tuned into that they're they're not tuned into the country uh of of football like 
you specifically would be on a weekly basis looking for the best talent? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's a great award. I love the award. I love the presentation. I love the ESPN show and, and what they do it with uh, Herbie and all those guys. I think they do a great job. And it's 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 just something we all grew up with, right? So it, it's really yeah. a great award. Um, oh, and it's a, it's a huge monetary value, too, for life when it comes to that. Is it weird, though, that even all the issues I have with the college football playoff selection committee right now, I would almost prefer this award be handed out by a committee of, like, football people that watch the game? Like, you would be on the committee, Jim, as an example, right? If there is a selection committee for the Heisman Trophy – you know, you, you, the, the Heisman winners get a vote also, but you put some former players on there. Yeah. Maybe they step out of the room when their guy's getting their discussed, you know, from their school. But you've got 18-plus uh, scouts I, I, that would have a consensus. I'd rather that be the process than 900-and-something votes from across the country. Yeah, don't get me started on the college football playoff uh, committee thing either because, again, nobody watches the amount of tape that we do here in this office, so it kind of irks me. That uh, we've got no say in any of this stuff, but hey. we do have a say. We do have a say over our roster, which is important, which we're we're fired up about. We're adding all these guys, and hopefully, I mean, outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., who I haven't spent a lot of time studying, even though we do, we can bring juniors to the game this year. Uh, I am realistic that we're probably not going to get uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Even though Reggie Wayne, we put Reggie Wayne in our in our Hall of Fame two years ago, so. And he played with Marvin's dad, and there's a relationship. I still don't think we have a chance there. Um, but those other three guys, I do think, uh, will end up here in Mobile. Um, be excited if they did. And, and again, I, you know, if you're asking me the favorite, we've kind of belabored the point here with a lot of the committee talk. I, I've derailed us a little bit. Um, but Jaden Daniels, like when he started the year off, uh, he was our most improved quarterback that we graded last year. So we had him up, we had him up pretty darn high this year to start the year. It's not like we've had to push this guy way up. I'm not buying into the narrative that that Jaden's made this big jump this year. We thought he made that jump last year. Um, but uh, I never thought anyone would would come close to the 2019 Joe Burrow season um, statistically again. And here we are, you know, whatever three or four years later, and it's happening at the same school. Um, so pretty amazing. Um, I think to me, I'd be surprised right now if Jaden didn't win it. Yeah. Chad and I both, we would both vote for Michael Penix Jr. Um, I don't know what else he can do, uh, on the, the stage where he, they're the underdog to go out and just not just win the, the Heisman, but make a statement about what Washington's about. They, they are uh, this year's version of TCU with the, you know, they, they hang on, they do just enough. Uh, they survive in advance and, Penix Jr. has put on a show for the most part. I, I just got to go back to, I'm not sure how many selectors, voters, actually watched him week in and week out, except for the two Oregon matchups. Right. No, and that's a good, that's a good argument. That's a, that's a really, and all, all four of these guys, Bo Nix too. I mean, Bo Nix has played, I mean, they've, they've lost those two games. Bo Nix has played his tail off against, against UW. And, so, and he was the favorite uh, two weeks ago, Bo Nix. Was he really? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that favorite thing has switched kind of week to week. But, um, you know, with with uh, with Penix Jr., they're, they're so much fun to watch. That quick strike ability on offense, those three receivers. Um, you're right. He's done everything, and he's got his team in the playoff, and they're undefeated. And I know that those things usually count with the Heisman voters. So um, it will probably be a, a close vote, probably between those two guys is what I would guess. 
Of those three quarterbacks, are you getting those uh, those guys to Mobile? Yeah, well, hopefully we'll get all three. And right right now, I think it makes total sense for all three of them to be here. If if you're using the logic that Caleb Williams and Drake May are the presumptive first and second quarterbacks off the board, to me, if you're if everyone's jockeying for the third spot right now, they should all be here. So you know, we've talked about this on the show before. The only the only two guys we've really struck out on over the last five years are are Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. And those guys were their presumptive number one overall pick. So I hope we can get all three, you know, Bo Nix is a local guy for us, um, you know, from the state of Alabama here, yep. he's actually going to be doing all his, his draft training here in mobile. Um, so he'll be in one, he'll be in mobile one way or the other, um, either just training for the draft or in the senior world, but hopefully the latter. This, uh, we described Anthony Richardson a year ago as the quarterback with the highest ceiling, maybe the lowest floor. Is there a quarterback of this group that's going in, maybe the first, second round grade to this point, I'm saying, that would fit that mold? You're saying high ceiling, lowest floor. Um, gosh, you know, maybe Joe Milton outside of this group of quarterbacks we're talking about, of the quarterbacks that, were, that, that we just in yeah. that mix. Uh, you know, maybe Penix, if I had to pick one. And that's just because, I mean, it, the obvious detractors outside of the tape. I mean, if you, these guys will all get picked apart a lot now between now and April. Um, and you'll hear a lot of stuff about Penix Jr.'s injury history and um, that he's an older guy. So things like that. But, uh, but no, you can't take away from what he's done on the field and, and really transformed his career. You know, two years ago, he's on the outs at Indiana. Didn't even seem like a guy they wanted to keep in Bloomington. Um, and to see what he's done these last two years with Kalen DeBoer, it's been, it's been awesome. Jim, let's stick with the quarterback theme. A guy you're very familiar with uh, there in the Mobile area, played over in, in Fairhope, Alabama, is Riley Leonard, entering the transfer portal. A lot of guys in the portal right now. But overall, what, what do you think of his skill set, his ability? And, you know, we've seen names like Notre Dame where he's visiting, possibly Auburn as a transfer spot for him. What kind of player will one of those programs get with Riley Leonard? Uh, he's a true dual threat. That's for sure. I mean, the guy can hurt you with his legs. He's not just a guy that's going to move the chains on third down and tuck it and get what he can get. I mean, this guy is a, a real run threat. I think a lot of people that watched that Clemson game early in the year, he broke off that big run and really broke the game open. Um, that's him. He's an athlete. He was a great hooper coming out of high school. So a true dual threat. Um, yeah, you're hearing a lot in the portal right now. So those two schools that you brought up, Notre Dame, Auburn, I'm hearing that a lot. Um, so, and they're getting a guy that's played a lot of football. They're getting a, a really high makeup player, a really smart player. Um, and I think his best football still ahead of him because he did do the basketball thing a lot in high school. He wasn't just a football only guy. So I do feel like his best football is ahead of him, but, but just bringing up the word transfer portal guys, you're, you're giving me kind of the, um, that that's the world I'm living in right now. And all these phone calls that I'm making about, you know, putting this roster together for the senior bowl. There are so many moving parts right now with NIL, transfer portal, the extra COVID year. You know, now that we can bring juniors, um, this is by far the most fluid process. And to hear what's going on and the money that's being thrown around in the portal right now, and, and whether it's real or fake, I don't know. I've heard stories where guys are getting in the portal and then they get to the school and they're getting about half of what they were promised. Um you know, a lot of people have said this is the Wild West, and it is truly the Wild West right now in college football. It's it's crazy. Um, I would love to share specific examples of 
of some of the things I've heard over the last couple of weeks, but it's, it's nuts. Well, in five years, it's going to be an amazing docuseries uh, on transfer portal stories from, from quarterbacks and other players that we're going to be able to watch. Um, yeah, if, guys, if, if you did a 30 for 30 right now of like, if you went behind the scenes and you did like three different programs concurrently as they're, as they're working through this, this phase right now of the portal entering, it would be riveting, riveting TV. Um, it would be, it would be, it would blow people's minds. What's going on in college football right now. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but it's uh it's a whole different world. Jim, can you give us something that you've heard without naming names? Um, yeah. So there was a, a quarterback that's in the transfer portal. The quarterbacks are really the first dominoes. Everyone's focused on the quarterback right now. That's why you're seeing out, seeing it out there because what the schools want to do is get the quarterback on board and then use him as the recruiter to bring in wide outs, other skilled people, offensive linemen. Um, so there was a there was a there well, there was a quarterback. Um, I think we're going back not this past weekend, the weekend before, um, that as of Friday night was told by a school that he was going to be their guy um, and they were going to move forward. And I mean, this is negotiations. This is these are contracts. This is these NIL things. I mean, there's money agreed to. Um, it was a seven figure deal uh, to be the quarterback at this particular school on a late Friday night. And then the, the player and his agent woke up Saturday to a text that uh, this they'd moved in a different direction and they were going with another quarterback. So now that leaves this quarterback in the lurch. And now over the past two weeks, he has taken meetings with, you know, five to 10 different schools and, and all these head coaches in college football are flying to where he is to have set up meetings with him. Um, so it's uh, it's crazy. Uh, again, I wish I could use names and right. make the yeah. stories that, I wish I could use schools and names and make it juicier, but, uh, but yeah, there's a lot going on. I know you were really looking forward to that SEC championship game to see all the talent between Alabama and Georgia, probably hoping some of those guys get to open those invites now uh, for your game. Uh, what, what was your, what was your big takeaway watching all the talent on that field together? It was a great game. Um, I thought it was going to be somewhere in the twenties. Um, earlier in the day, I was, at, I was, uh, at the gym and someone asked me if it was going to be high scoring, low scoring. And I said, no, I think probably in the twenties. So I got that part, right. I did think Georgia was going to win. Um, I thought it was going to be a one score game too. So it was close. Um, but just, you know, it, it, those games come down to like pivotal plays and turnovers. And I think that one fumble deep in, in Georgia territory there when they were backed up and the, the fumble on the, on the reverse play was it was a pivotal play um you know someone made the point here too i was texting with someone today if auburn could just field that one punt well then that this whole thing like think how that would have shaken up the college football playoffs so all these games are coming down to one play here or there i would have loved to have seen the game with if georgia with a full you know a fully healthy brock powers a fully healthy lad mcconkey i think those injuries hurt them but but hats off to alabama um, they have really pulled together this year. That is a much different team than lost to Texas. And that's why I think it was right. They were in, and I hate that for Florida state. I really do. Um, but you take Jordan Tra Travis off that football team. That's not the same football team. If you, if you took Quinn Ewers off Texas or, or JJ, JJ McCarthy off Michigan, I think you could make a case they shouldn't have been in because that's not the same football team. Certainly Michigan without McCarthy wouldn't be the same. So, uh, I do think the voters got it right. I hate it, hate it for Florida State. Um, but I do think right now, as we sit here in December, the four best football teams um, are in it because of the Jordan Travis injury. Final 15 seconds. Can Washington win it all? 
Yeah, I think any of these four teams, I think you get this deep. Um, any team can. And with their, it's going to be hard to score with Washington in those receivers and that, that explosive offense. So, yes, quickly, yes, I think they, I think they have a chance. They're America's team, Chad. Well, they're my team. That's for sure. <laughs> These team. four. That's who I'd like to see win it all. Uh, Jim, thank you so much uh, for the time. Great each week, and we look forward to next week's chat. All right, guys. Have a great week. Yep. There is Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Joins Give us the guy week. a Heisman vote, too. He's right. He should have one. Yeah. Uh, Give so me a Heisman committee. 926 voters. You have... Their media members. 57 living Heisman winners have a vote and then one overall fan vote. Yeah, that's our vote. Yeah. I guess. We're the voice of the fans. Yeah. Collusion? Is that the reason Alabama got in? We'll discuss that next.